This is TDPS. Eric. Yes, Christopher? Are you sick of doing promos for my new books yet? That depends. Are we at the beach? Yes, we're at Sapphire Cove, the fictional Southern California resort featured in my new gay romance series coming in 2022. This is alarming. When did we go outside? You were transported by the powerful prose of C. Travis Rice. That's my new pen name devoted to steamy and emotional tales of romance between men. Yeah, no, that's not it. I was about to eat a sandwich in the studio, and now I'm being harassed by seagulls. Brandon, get rid of the seagulls, please. Oh, that's much better. Now I have to pee. First, pre-order your copy of Sapphire Sunset, the first installment in the Sapphire Cove series, which goes on sale March 1st, 2022, from Blue Box Press. When a new member of the resort security department falls hard for the nephew of the wealthy family that owns the place, sparks fly, and sexy scandal ensues at Sapphire Cove. Uh, Yeah, could you pre-order that for me? I'm going to run to the little podcaster's room. Brandon! Come get this seagull! I can't help it if my writing sets the scene. I know what I'm going to set if someone doesn't come get this seagull. Where'd you get that sandwich? Sapphire Sunset, the first book in the Sapphire Cove series from C. Travis Rice. Now available for pre-order. Eric. Yes, Christopher? Have you been to my website lately? Why would I go to your website? You're sitting right here. Well, it's the place to find out all about my new books. Why would I go to your website for that? Again, you're sitting right here. All right. Well, for people who aren't right here, ChristopherRiceBooks.com is a great place to get information about my new releases. Which you'll give me copies of because I'm sitting right here. Yeah, maybe. But for those who aren't currently sitting in our studio on the Sunset Strip, check out my website, sign up for my mailing list, and check out all the posts on my blog where I talk smack about Eric Shaw Quinn. What smack? Shut up and read this new book I wrote. Fuck that and fuck ChristopherRiceBooks.com. This ad did not go as planned. This was an ad? Hi, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And you're listening to TDPS Presents Christopher. And Eric. And we're a little punchy before this episode. you clearly were trying to catch me while I was still sipping my tea. You've not stopped sipping your tea today, so I didn't know when we were going to be able to do the show if I waited. Well, I never really stopped sipping my tea. Never, 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 never. But you started that one thing where I actually have to say something. (laughs) Just as I took a sip of tea, and I was like, you are trying to get a spit take. You have been trying to get a spit take out of me for, I'm going to say, at least the last three episodes. And it's really not that hard, but I'm going to say this. We had a very funny exchange here in the studio right before the microphone started recording. I <laughs> Eric said to me, what is this show about? And then Brandon, our sound designer, said in our ears, I've been asking that question for 10 years. <laughs> So, if anybody out there knows what this show is about, please let us know, because none of us here do. None of us know. That's actually, we know what the topic is for this episode, because we went to you, our beloved party people. But we'll see what the topic turns out to be. Sometimes we set out in one direction, and then we're suddenly with the Donner Party having a barbecue. (laughs) It's like one of those things where it was like, oh God, are we really going to talk about this? But we got a lot of responses on our Facebook page. 
and beyond, mainly because I woke up on Friday before recording day and realized I never posted that question. Oh, my God. So I went wider with it than I usually did. I posted it on my own Twitter account, and I shared the question across multiple Facebook platforms, pages, I mean. So So we didn't have an unprecedented Thursday question, as I had originally suggested. We didn't. We had a Friday morning, oh, my God, question. A Friday panic question. We had a Friday panic question, exactly. Okay. So this is what we ask people to Seems share. Seems to have turned out there's a bunch of answers. Yeah, and this is what we ask people to share their thoughts on. Uh, Christmas is coming. Uh, no one, no one seems. <laughs> this to, just did. Well, it was wasn't a given last year. It was 2020. Like Christmas of 2020 was uh, you know, kind of canceled. I mean, technically it was Christmas, but not really. Um, supply chain issues are impacting the entire globe. How are you planning to handle gift giving this season? Are you getting creative? Are you making your own gifts out of cardboard and string? Uh, we want to know. And egg cartons. Don't forget egg cartons. What you're doing, and I just have to say to preface this, Eric is the preeminent gift giver. Eric starts Christmas shopping on January 1st. Uh, so I, I have a sense that you've got this handled or you've got this licked or you have already encountered the early stages of this in your attempt to order things, Eric Shaw Quinn. We will see. Maybe we can wait to hear from you on this issue until the end and sort of dive into some of our comments here. But I'm going to go right to Carl Ducharme here because he really <laughs> had, I think, the best suggestion out of anyone. He will be giving money <laughs> here. That's- that's a good choice. Right, exactly. Just that like the government. That is a really good choice. I had a, a group of friends um, I, from years ago. Uh, they we're going to do a Christmas party together, and they agreed in advance because not all of them were working or not at the same level or whatever, that whatever Christmas gift anybody brought, they were going to draw names or something, and mm-hmm. you were going to bring a gift, but it had to be something that you made. Mm. Um, and so everybody shows up, um, and you know, they're gathered around and they've had some wassail and they've had, you know, a little punch and Mm -hmm. they're sitting under around the tree and I don't know if they had dinner or what have you. And they're opening the presents and my mentor, Cynthia Gellum was one of the guests at the party. And, um, so they get to her gift and she gives it and they open it up and it's this beautiful, you know, I don't know, vest and bow tie set that she's bought at, you know, local haberdasher for whatever. And everybody says, Cynthia, (laughs) you're, you're supposed, it's supposed to be something that you made. And she said, I make a lot of money. (laughs) So I bought this. (laughs) And I thought, that's a really good answer. That is a good answer. That's what I make. That's what I, I thought I you were going to say you brought your book here. You can have a copy of my book. No. I made this. No, that would be a jackass move. That would be a, that would be kind of creepy. Um, but um, and I think I've done it. Um, I'm sure. But no, uh, she was. It was just a story about my darling Cynthia Gillum who cracked me up a million different ways. How was she your mentor again? Tell us some of that story. She, um, was she's. I always called her my gay dad. Um, mm-hmm. she. Was the she was directing a play called Wild Oats? So I think a British restoration comedy play that had kind of gotten a resurrection on Broadway or mm-hmm. somewhere in London, and she'd seen it and loved it, and was doing a regional version of it. And I um, auditioned for it. I was in college still, and I auditioned for it and got cast as a result of. A kind of a mix-up, and it's a longer story than it's worth telling, but kind of a mix-up in 
the audition process, I ended up kind of blowing her out of the water. And it was one of those few times where she actually took me aside and said, I don't know how we're going to use you, but you will be cast in this play. <laughs> Please set aside time. for mm. Like, you can go ahead and mark out the production dates because mm-hmm. you're cast. I don't know. I have no idea what I'm going to cast you as. But after that, mm-hmm. she called a bunch of people onto the stage to read a scene. Mm-hmm. And she didn't call. She, she missed, like, five of the people who were in the scene. And so I read all of them mm-hmm. differently as different characters. And mm-hmm. it just was one of those. I was just kidding around. And yeah. it was just one of those things where she was like, she came and said, I, I don't know. I don't care what, like, you're in this play. I don't know what you're playing, but mm-hmm. you'll definitely be back. Anyway, so it also turned out it was back during the, I guess it would have been the Carter administration. Oh. <laughs> Maybe a little before. That it was, was a, a long time it was ago. a long time ago. Jimmy Carter was still a young man. <laughs> yes. Um uh, it, anyway, it was it was gas crisis. Oh wow! And everybody was uh, was um, you know trying to conserve gasoline, and she lived further out than I did, and so I was on the way to rehearsal for her. So we carpooled. Mm, cool. I rode with her to rehearsal, and just in talking in the car, uh, whatever, she asked me one day if I wrote, mm. and because I was young and arrogant. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I still kind of can't believe that I was ever this young and arrogant, but apparently I was. I brought her, uh, I said yes, that I did write. Mm-hmm. And she said, bring me a sample of something that you wrote. So I brought her marked mm-hmm. class papers, handwritten oh marked class papers, like as only somebody that age and with that level of like, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she hired me. Wow. Uh, my Burger King job in college was writing for an advertising agency. I wow. answered the phone. I sat at the front desk. I answered the phone. Um, and I ran errands and I wrote copy, which was mm-hmm. great because I learned to write in complete chaos. Like I mm-hmm. don't need anything. I don't have writer's block. I don't need monastic silence. I don't need, you know, I can write anywhere, anytime, any circumstances. Mm-hmm. I just, it doesn't. Because that's how I learned. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to meet those demands. And, you know, it just sort of grew up from there. She's the person who told me. It never occurred to me that I would be a writer. Mm-hmm. Like, I was going to be an actor. I'm dyslexic as hell. And English teachers weren't that crazy about me. I can't spell or punctuate. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was all that mattered. Mm-hmm. Clearly, it didn't matter at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, she really was sort of there in so many ways for me and kind of taught me how to be me. She and her partner at the time, Anne, who was mm-hmm. the um, the uh, creative director, I don't know, executive, artistic director for the City Ballet at that time, um, sort of kind of took me in and told mm-hmm. me how to act and how to sit and what to wear and mm-hmm. how to behave myself and how to comport myself as a gay man in the world at that day and age when it was not Not, all that cool or easy to be those things and you know the importance of being myself but the importance of being a good person Mm. above all else and I don't know just you know those sort of lovely kind of life lessons but they kind of I had my own parents and Mm. they did the job (laughs) that they did and they Mm -hmm. were you know well they they weren't gay they didn't abandon me but yeah they Mm. didn't have any understanding they missed a lot of understanding of who I was and and Ann and Cynthia really they knew who I was and they kind of, you know, 
talk me through it. So, mm-hmm. Anyway, I, I always think of that. I, I, I just I thought that was a nice side trip and yeah. a little uh, just a little teeny break from global supply chain issues, which is what we were supposed also, to talk about today. No strangers to Christmas, those two. Yeah, really. She direct and did Nutcracker Ballet every mm-hmm. year. I mm-hmm. played Mother Ginger. I wore stilts and a. Mm-hmm. Costume that looked like an awning on, like a store awning, uh, <laughs> and twelve little girls would come out of my underwear. I right. would get, manage not to fall, get to the middle of the stage, and pull two little roses on my mm-hmm. bustle, and the curtains in my dress would open, and twelve little girls would come out and dance around the stage. The bon, the macarons, I think they were. I was supposed to be a cookie jar full of macarons. And oh, cool. I think that's what Mother Ginger is. Anyway, um, and big Christmas. Big Christmas, big Christmas. Big Christmas. So, like, it remains to be seen how big this Christmas is going to be able to be with the supply chain <clears throat> issues that we're talking about. We already talked about Carl Ducharme. He gives, he's giving money. Right, like Cynthia. Uh, Brad Shreve says, My daughter is in Germany getting her master's degree. I begged her to give me some idea of something I can buy rather than another year of, you guessed it, sending money. She pondered for some time and said, I'm in college. I really only need money. Right. Another PayPal Christmas, I guess. So, yeah, okay, that's two for money. Um, On the softer side, Carol Horder Bull says, I would be happy... With all of us together for a meal, maybe a nice Christmas pudding and a neat whiskey and a walk in the woods with the dogs. Wow, that sounds lovely, except I don't drink, so the whiskey would be lost on me. But outside, I, you, uh, we're a walk in the woods with dogs. Civilized. Really like, does sound lovely. Civilized, as I like Where to say. Where does she live? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if she's ready to be put on the spot, Eric. We shouldn't interrogate poor Carol. Well, I meant in a general sense. <laughs> How cold is it going to be outside, is what you meant. No, if, like, if. Like, is this Cheshire or Indiana? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's a difference for me. <laughs> um, Gina Rowden says, I love the memory-making opportunities idea. Someone else, uh, Abigail Brewer, said that she is going to be giving memory-making opportunities, zoo memberships for the little ones, movie gift cards, things we can do together after the holidays. Oh, and Gina lovely. says, I love that idea. I will watch my boyfriend slowly lose his mind when he realizes he should have taken my advice and already started shopping for his daughter and grandkids. So is this this is already a thing as we're recording this. People are I know one of my air conditioners has blown apart. Not literally, it a part has blown. It is not blown into pieces all over my apartment. <laughs> right, that was, sounds much more dramatic, though. Yeah, and um, you know, we need air conditioners pretty much year round here in Southern California. We don't need them right now, thank God. We're going through a cool spell, but. It's been weeks. I mean, weeks. And normally it takes, I don't know, three or four days at the longest to replace a part. This is not some tiny little weird part. This is a major component of the machine. And I mean, every few days I just text in with my guy and he says, yeah, I still can't get it. Um, The oil spill here in Southern California a few weeks ago was apparently caused by a container ship that could not go into port, that was forced to drop anchor in an area that it was unfamiliar with, and didn't know that oil lines were down there, and it hit the oil line, and all this oil washed up on the beaches of Orange County, um, south of where we are now. So, Which kind of makes you think, hmm, maybe oil lines should be more durable. Yeah, totally. If that's all it took. Yeah, totally. Um, Just a thought. But, yeah, I mean, the the I was 
a few weeks ago, I was down in Orange County. The oil had been cleaned up. It had. It, they they got through that spill pretty quickly. I well, have to say. apparently, a lot less oil was spilled than they initially thought. Oh, that's great news. So that was part of the reason that the cleanup went. It was still awful. Yeah. But the cleanup went a lot better than they'd expected because it, yeah. it was like a hundred thousand gallons less than they had thought it was. It wasn't. It was like a hundred and twenty-eight thousand or something to begin with. Wow. Or maybe it was one hundred twenty-eight million. I don't yeah. know, but. Um, I think numbers, it was, yeah, yeah, numbers. Don't ask yeah. me, but it was way less than what they'd originally estimated. But what I was going to say is that I was down in Orange County. I was staying at the Montage in Laguna Beach. Lucky me, my first hotel stay of the pandemic, um, and I could see the ships stacked up offshore. Yeah, that couldn't, that are just having to hover out there and wait because they can't get into the port yeah, of Los Angeles. Yeah, some of those people have been sitting out there for sixty days. There was an yeah. article in the L.A. Times about it that the people on the ships are stuck on the ships. Yeah, yeah. It's terrible. Um, so I, I'm not – it's interesting. Like I don't think a lot of people in the comments said that they were having issues themselves, but they were definitely preparing for them. The consensus on Twitter when I put it out there – and we don't usually put these questions on Twitter. because you can were be, desperate. But I was desperate because it was Friday morning – was um, shop local, shop early. Keep it simple. Support small businesses. Don't rely on shipping was what they said, you know. Which is an alternative that puts people in stores that may not be ready to go back into stores, I should say. Maybe who are at a higher risk or haven't had their boosters yet or all that sort of stuff. Like, I don't think – I think we should be aware that some of us are relying on shipping now because it's safer for us for many reasons. But it is coming with complications and consequences. So I don't want to jump right ahead to how you're dealing with this, but have you had any supply chain issues with stuff that you've tried to get a hold of recently? Well, my dishwasher is – on haul that mm. needed to a part or something and it's been several weeks and you know the repair guy has been by and determined what needed to be ordered and apparently ordered it yeah for all i know um and still no that hasn't been so there've been little things and then there's been sort of the broader picture of stuff that just is sometimes available or not available you know like it it's you discover what's not available when you go looking for it yeah I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And Eric and I aren't just podcasters. And pitches. That's right. We're also authors. And you can buy all of our books at www.thedinnerpartyshow.com or tdps.tv and wherever ebooks are sold. At thedinnerpartyshow.com or tdps.tv, you can check out my Right Murder mystery series. Or sample my Burning Girl thrillers. The best part is, the more you buy our books, the less likely we'll end up filling the spot with an annoying ad for a napkin that counts your calories. The TDPS Network, alienating potential advertisers one promo at a time. I have to say, I think my favorite response that we got from folks who are making different plans to deal with the supply chain issues during the gift giving season, Anna Maria Rios Alvarado is making white chocolate chip cookies to gift. 
I suddenly wish I was related to Anna Maria Rios Alvarado. Hint, 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 hint. We love cookies here at the dinner party show. Don't you fall for it, Anna Maria? You make those cookies for your family. Christopher has plenty of cookies. But um, how far? Since you know everything, and it does sometimes feel like you know absolutely everything. (laughs) I wish that was true. That's why I'm so rich and powerful today. Well, where is the greatest concentration of these issues? What is the hardest for people to get right now? I'm not really. Is it? Is it? God, I hope it's not food. I mean, Jesus Christ. I was thinking, will Anna be able to make as many cookies as she wants? Well, it's, I was watching a thing last night there the, because this is such a hot topic currently. And like one of the th- points they made was like the president said, OK, the ports in uh, Long Beach and Los Angeles will be open 24 hours a day. Right. And so they went to the port and they said, so how has this affected your life? And the people at the port said, not really at all. Like, it hasn't really changed their lives because that's not actually – like, it's a way of looking at the problem, and it is a bottleneck on mm-hmm. the problem, but that's not the source of the problem. Like, it's a bigger problem than that, and it is a lot broader, like, mm-hmm. labor-intensive. Probably if any area of it is a problem, it's trucking. There are 80,000 jobs for truckers that are currently not filled. So Jesus. that's a huge portion of this. Well, let's like, stop there, there are warehouses right. that are literally stuffed with stuff that can't get in on the continent, in the country. And part of the reason that stuff is piled up is that there's nowhere to put it when it gets here. Let, let, let's talk about the trucker thing for a second, because what? What? how do we interpret that? Were those truckers, did they leave their jobs? A lot of them did. And it, was it because they felt they were at terrible risk during um, the pandemic? I think that's yeah. partly true. And a lot yeah. of them discovered quality of life, things that they didn't yeah. realize that they were missing when they were forced to pull their truck over to the side of the road and, like, you know, live with their family for a while. And they thought, yeah. oh, wow. This is actually better. I guess I had such a romanticized view of the trucker's life. I thought it was people that just wanted to be on the road and they're out there listening to their own music and, and talking on the CB radio to I, other truckers. I think just, that is, that still exists. Yeah, I don't yeah. think that's not happening. But, but that's a lot of truckers that we lost. Like, that's a lot. Wow. Or that are currently, that's, how, that's what kind of, yeah. So that's a giant part of it. And I would think that would affect almost everything. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I also was Food told, included, you know, like but said some of this is if what you need is manufactured overseas, uh, those places are having surges kind of on a different schedule than we are. And some of those factories, everybody could have been sent home. They're literally not at work and nor should they be. Um, so it's not getting made what you need. There's a or, delay in the manufacturing of it. Or there's a delay in readjusting from the yeah. from one thing to the other. When the the um, pandemic hit and everybody was forced to work from home, the manufacturer of the chips, the semiconductor chips, that mm-hmm. is, I think we've learned a valuable lesson that largely takes place overseas and needs to take yeah. place a lot more at home um, because we need them for too many things. We're yeah. too um, dependent. Drugs. Masks are now being made in the United States, which they Thank weren't God. before. Yeah. Um, and uh, semiconductor chips. And there'll probably be other things. But anyway, at the time of the pandemic, production shifted to for devices because people were working from home. The sales for devices went up. Mm-hmm. And that's where the chips were needed. So the supply of chips was diverted to those kinds of things. Well, now everybody needs a new car and they're all going back to work and the chips are somewhere else and they need them for the cars. And so cars are now um, way behind schedule and the inventory is way down because the supply hasn't been re-diverted to um, 
the cars. The, the problem really is, is that at the time when we could have dealt with this appropriately at the beginning, where we took a couple of months off and then came back with really specific directions and um, precautions, we didn't. Mm-hmm. And we wrecked the economy mm-hmm. um, in the name of some sort of personal freedom states and rights. states' rights and all of those other charming um, issues. Um, and we haven't stopped that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that's really affecting the economy because right. we can't get things back to uh, on path because we keep redirecting and crashing it again and again for reasons that I don't fully understand, especially when everybody says the big problem is the economy. And it's like, well, how about we get together and fix that and stop mm-hmm. complaining about stuff that we don't usually complain about? Like, there have been signs everywhere I go for most of my life saying no shirt, no shoes, no service. And there have not been big protests mm-hmm. about people being angry that they're being forced to wear shoes or shirts. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know why everybody's mad about being asked to wear a mask because it's com- a lot less than having to wear shoes or a mm-hmm. shirt. Um, and that didn't seem to upset anybody before. And we've all had van- um Vaccines that we had to take mm-hmm. for the flu or the measles or for all kinds of stuff to go to school or travel or go to other countries all of my life. I was thinking about this. I wonder if what this has done is just expose a, a sort of population that wasn't incredibly vocal before that was just opting out of so many vaccines mm-hmm. that I didn't know about. Because, like, you think about the flu shot, like, right? You and I didn't get the flu shot until our own doctor got really, really sick with the flu and told all his patients, you have to get the flu yeah. shot. That was the worst this, experience ever. It was a ever. horror story. This was before COVID. And so suddenly I got the flu shot but before i was like eh, it's not 100 percent effective i don't want the flu shot i'm not 70 you know all that sort of stuff yeah now i get the flu shot every year and i started before the pandemic i, I wonder if this has just exposed that you know it is that there's a much larger i was shocked that some of the people in my life who were like okay i'm gonna do this but i really don't want to i don't like that you know it was like oh my god i'd never had cause to have this conversation with them before i think that's absolutely true and yeah. and i completely get it you know that people want to be able to make the choice for themselves, but we're not, that's not the choice that people are making. Mm -hmm. And that's the part I don't get that people don't understand. Do you not want the economy to be open again? Mm -hmm. Would you not like life to get back to normal again? Like I, like I just, I can't understand that part of the resistance. Like if it was just a matter of like the flu shot thing where it's about, this is about personal preference. It's like, okay, well that I get. And I completely Mm -hmm. respect that and understand it. And I still do. Right. But that's not the consequence. This isn't a personal choice anymore. This is about you participating in an act that has devastated the economy of the country and and created this, uh, you know, and it's like, I would really, really like to get past this now. Uh, And I don't think we will. (laughs) And we're, we're, well, I think we will in a strange way. I mean, I'm not saying, I'm saying the supply chain, different thing, but this insistence on half of the population uh, in radical libertarianism radical physical libertarian okay however many whatever it is radical physical libertarianism like yes it's your body it's your choice but you can't use your body to drive a car into the middle of a crowd of people and say it was my body my choice i drove the car with my body it's like where are the goddamn lines where are we going to draw the lines and i just i i think 
I'm a little discouraged on the topic currently. Well, I think one of the things that I'm getting encouragement from is there's is people saying that's fine. We really respect that, and you're fired. You yeah. can't work here anymore. Like right. because I think it's great to have the freedom, mm-hmm. but I think to. It's like that freedom of speech conversation that we always have. Like, you have freedom of speech. You don't have freedom of consequences. Yeah. Like, you certainly have the freedom. It's your body. It's your choice. But if somebody requires you to have a particular set of vaccines to work at their establishment and you don't want them, then you're electing not to work there anymore. Yeah, right. And I don't have any sympathy for that. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't care if you get a job or not, particularly right now with mm-hmm. the economy crashed and burning and people trying to get back to full employment and trying to get their lives started again like i really don't have any sympathy right now but i wouldn't even if that wasn't taking the place like there are requirements and if you don't want to meet them i completely understand Mm -hmm. and you're fired yeah you're fired. get out Mm -hmm. you know we'll get somebody else who is willing to meet the standards like you have to have certain educational degrees to work as a teacher yeah you don't have a right to work anywhere that you want right employers have the right if i had a right to work anywhere i wanted i would be running a movie studio and doing all of my own stuff Absolutely. <laughs> Our own stuff. Absolutely. Right. Like, you know, it's just, yeah, it, it's it's been an infuriating thing to talk about, and it's inexplicably, inexplicably tied up in the supply chain issue question that's what today's well, episode is about. Well, I think we about. need to stop being angry at each other and just be willing to accept the consequences of our own choices. Here's the thing that I heard, and I think this is encouraging because it implies that a lot of what we're seeing is a temporary response on the behalf of of people who were conned by an orange lunatic who was president. Oh, that's for one a term. huge part of the problem. And that there's a period in which... The, who knew how bad this was and yes, didn't do anything about it. And that it. there's a period in which the people who were conned are unable to accept the con. And so you, th- so you see things like, I won't wear a mask because the mask is a reminder of how wrong he was about how serious this was, mm-hmm. how wrong his public statements were. So I'm going to refuse to wear the mask until my uncle dies of it. Like and then there there's a there's an event in their lives which brings it, the truth of it right to their doorstep. You know, I know people who got the vaccine because a relative finally died of it and he wasn't vaccinated and it became real and it became something that wasn't on CNN. And yeah. that that's how the people eventually recover from having been conned. But they were conned. If your news source at the start of this was Newsmax or One America, you were conned. You were the victim of a con. And I try to have compassion for you, but at some point you have to ask people, why are you choosing this to be your primary news source? I don't choose Fox News to be my primary news source. I don't even choose the Washington Post to be my primary news source. I get it from a variety of credible sources. Right. And I look to certain trusted figures like the heads of of, uh, science-based institutions to tell me what's going on. You know, but I think... The, the people who were taken in will eventually come out of it. It's just a question of how fucking long it's going to take. And meantime, there are going to be consequences. Yeah. And I don't think it's the end of the world, but there are going to be consequences right. to and changes to and impacts on the way that we all live our lives. Not the least of which is, you know, preparing for the holidays. It's not mm-hmm. going to be the same. And they're going to be, you know, and some of those things are going to be as the result of choices that other people made and not us. And, yeah. you know, we persevere and we move on. I'm sure there was a long period of time during World War II where people wished that the Germans and Mr. Hitler had made different choices. Yes. And they had to wait until the war was over before they could kind of get back to normal. And so, OK, we will just have to wait until this group <clears throat> of, you know, domestic terrorists have decided that – either died off from their refusal to participate mm-hmm. or decided that maybe this wasn't so bad or gotten it and survived and become immune naturally. Yeah. Um, but uh, 
But I think we will get to the other side of it. I just think it's a shame that we didn't do it faster because of the reasons that we didn't do it faster. I'll, I'll tell you two things, okay? And I, I didn't expect us to go in this direction, but it, it's kind of inevitable, so I probably should have it. The thing that terrifies me is a large population of unvaccinated people serving as an incubator for a new and more dangerous variant of the virus. And I think that's the thing that, you know. But that's what the world is yeah. all the time. And then here's the other thing. Like there's a disease out there that nobody's ever had that we're all that none of us are vaccinated for or prepared for right. that is incubating in the population at large always. So that's always true. But here's the thing that encouraged me. And this was an article on Vox, which is I consider it's left leaning, but I consider it to be pretty credible and, and has some good science reporting on it. And it says a virus like the coronavirus can only mutate to such an, eventually its mutations start to have uh, sacrifices. They ask for sacrifices of the virus because, and specifically in the area of vaccine efficacy, that if it's going to outsmart our vaccines, what it means is that it's fucking with its own spike protein. And that means there's a very high chance that it will alter its own spike protein to the point that it's not as virulent and it's not as good at infecting us. It can outsmart the vaccine, but it won't be like a super predator. It's mutations in viruses don't constantly escalate to the point where it's a global world killer. Um, the Spanish flu is now a common head cold, but it started as the Spanish flu. But over time, the things that had to keep it in the population were also things that made sure it didn't kill its hosts so quickly that it couldn't continue to spread. Like it's a strange kind of weakening and watering down that happens. And so they said the likelihood that, first of all, viruses like this don't ever um, dramatically change transmission routes. They, they don't, like a respiratory virus doesn't become a bloodborne virus. There's usually sort of narrow lanes in which they live. Uh -huh. And so I, it was something I was reading on the toilet that was tamping down on all of the nightmare scenarios <laughs> that my science fiction oriented brain. Because, and this is the thing, I was with a friend who is actually, uh, she's a very successful writer now, but she, she, her background is in science. She was actually a researcher. And she said, we're watching science happen in real time. So if somebody throws a fit because, well, you're telling me to do a different thing than you told me three months ago, it's because the science is happening in real time. We're studying this virus that only came into existence, you know, then, and now we're doing, you know, whatever. But people want easy answers, sure. and they want a target, and they want somebody to blame. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. Do you have a question or comment about this podcast? Then come share it with us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the dinner party show, no spaces, and we'll do our best to answer it on the show. Just watch out for our aggrieved manservant, Shea Butters. He moderates the page and he's been known to talk smack about the two of us. Most of what he says about you is true, though. We can discuss this later. That's right, at Facebook.com slash The Dinner Party Show. No, I meant in the car. Hi, I'm Eric Shaw Quinn, and I'd like to take a moment to congratulate my co-host and producing partner, Christopher Rice. He's got not one, but four new books coming out in 2022. 
but today I'd like to tell you about one in particular, a standalone thriller called Decimate. It's the terrifying story of what happens to our kitchen here at the studio um, when I ask Christopher to make the tea. Y- yeah, no. When I said improvise the promo, I didn't say you could make shit up. I am not making this up. Look at that kitchen. Okay. Hi, party people. Decimate is actually a thriller about telekinesis and near-death experiences. The page-turning tale of a woman who becomes convinced her brother is being held hostage by a supernatural force following his death in a fiery plane crash. It has nothing to do with tea or our kitchen, and you can pre-order it on Amazon now. And while it is spine-tingling and terrifying, it is nothing compared to what I'm going to have to order off of Amazon to clean up that kitchen. Will you shut up about tea and our kitchen? Oh, I never shut up about tea. So we have a few answers I want to get to from our party people. Um... A Tommy Ann Elquist. To the question of what are you doing for yes. Christmas gifts this year? Because right. we, we got a little on, on the heavier side of yeah. the, you know, that is a part of this issue. But I think that maybe the. Uh, you know, and also I'm afraid to talk about this on the podcast because I don't want to be the person who says the wrong thing. I don't want to share misinformation. You know, I don't want to. We don't want to be the people who are right. being angry because we're being asked to do something different or because of, you know, like it. I think it goes both ways. I think it's about trying to be compassionate with each other. Right. I think that's always the better way to go. Yeah. And when I brought up earlier the people that I was shocked to find out had vaccine hesitancy, these were these were not these were people that I have great respect for, admiration for, that I call my close friends. I didn't know this about them. It was a side of their personality. You know, they're not phantom, you know, red baseball cap wearing, you know, rioters that that exist only in my imagination. They're real people. Um, And you know what? Most of them are getting the vaccine, even though they don't want to. But even the red capped rioters are also real people. That's what I mean. Like, that's where we need to start having compassion for each other as opposed to looking for somebody to blame. Yeah. Because I think that's at the root of so much of the suspicion and unhappiness that's going on right now. And so mm-hmm. surely in the spirit of this particular holiday, this yeah. that could be something we at least try and focus on, and that'll keep us on the right path, um, even if we don't agree with people. It's all about Christmas, babe. That's what this episode is supposed to be about, getting ready for the right? Christmas season. About how we're but it's your, for... your joke was so funny because you said last year we were off the hook. It was recommended that most of us didn't gather for Christmas. This year we've got to go, but we also have to bring shitty presents because we can't get anything because <laughs> of the supply chain. Uh, Tommy Ann Elquist Gunther says, So far I have had no real issue getting things delivered for gift giving. Maybe closer to the big day it will get harder. I have exact links for the grandchild's gifts, and the daughter wants gift cards from REI. I don't know what REI is. Should I know what that is? Tommy Ann, tell us what that is in the comments on the Facebook page. That leaves me the son-in-law, and he is always hard to buy for since he never wants anything special. Other than those three, we will just be having dinner here at home. That sounds lovely. Dinner at home. Christmas. Uh, Deborah Andrews says, For my family, Christmas is about the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Spending time with each other and sharing a meal is what we do. Gifts are not important and are generally reserved for children, spouses, and sometimes siblings. The true gift is being together. Imagine that as one of the gifts of having it be a truly religious holiday is that you have a purpose other than buying each other expensive presents. (laughs) That's actually kind of moving. Um, And then I think we covered a lot of the other responses that we got. And... um, 
you know, and so I want to. Alex t- Williams gives money, which I, I think is a yeah, money. smart choice. Oh, so. right. I forgot Alex, right? Um, we already talked about Anna Maria Rio, Anna Maria Rios Alvarado's white chocolate chip cookies. Um, she, it's fine if she wants to send some. It really is. It's fine. We have a, we have a PO box on the I think the website. Um, it's fine. You don't have to, but it's fine if you want to send some cookies, Anna Maria. That's and uh, Ronnie Yachts. Ronnie Yachts. Yeah, we talked about all those. Those are our Twitter responses, and they basically said the same thing, that everyone should shop local and not rely on shipping lines. She's going to take her kids to the casino? We said that? Oh, wait. No, we didn't say that. I missed that. Wait. Um, I'm going with experience. For example, my mom likes to play the slots, so I'll be getting her some cash and a date to bring her to the casino. Wait a minute. So wait, is she getting her a date or is she no, picking a date? No, she's picking a day to take her to the casino. <laughs> no, I think she should get her mom a date. I, I think, think that's mom, even better. That's better. Uh, my kids will get baking classes, a trip to the city, and coupons for movie nights, dinner, out with mom and dad, etc. So again, memory-making opportunities. Yeah, I think that's a great notion. And, and I think that, you know, speaking as the... The gift giver, the guy oh, who's got the ultimate, credit, yes, is that I, you know, I really love Christmas. You know, you, you do? may not have heard. Oh, Mister Christmas! Yeah, there's Greater Christmasville actually has its own. My deck Christmas decorations have their own Facebook page. Um, if you haven't signed up, you should sign up for my Greater Christmasville Facebook page, and uh, mm-hmm. then you'll be all read in, all dialed in when the decorations start going up this year. But because I love Christmas so much, I never really stop Christmas shopping. <laughs> like, I see stuff all the time and think, oh, that's really fun. And then I just get it. Mm-hmm. And it's a big pile. Like, my big thing this year, because we didn't do Christmas last year, mm-hmm. will be to <laughs> to go through the Christmas presents that are already in my house and sort them out and figure <laughs> out who they're for. <laughs> It's kind of always my process because I don't think it makes that much difference what you get people. No. You know, I think that what you're saying is, I remember you. Yes. I love you. I'm thinking of you. This is like our romance episode we did right. a few weeks ago. Absolutely. Romance is, is about being seen. And it is about letting people know that you remember them and whatever. And so, okay, so maybe you can't, maybe the shipping thing doesn't work for them. So maybe you order something that can get shipped to them that they would like to have. Maybe you have flowers delivered to their house or mm-hmm. or something like, you know what I mean? Like there there are things. Look at their own community and see maybe you could have a meal delivered yeah. to their house or maybe you could give them a coupon from so, some their yeah. favorite local restaurant that they could have something delivered to their house yeah. from their own neighborhood. You know what I mean? Totally. Like, so that you're... You're just saying, I'm thinking about you, and I want you to know that I remember you at this time of year and all the rest of the year, too. But certainly, this is a time that I pause to do that. Yeah. And then it doesn't make any difference what it is. Mm -hmm. A bag of fudge, a coupon for dinner, a memory to be made, time. Time is the most valuable thing if you can afford to give that. But that's... Like, if your gift list is like mine, that's not always possible, but taking the time to think of somebody, write them a card, send mm. them a picture, frame a picture of the two of you together and put it in the mail and see what happens. Maybe mm-hmm. it'll be there in time and maybe it won't. Maybe that son of a bitch DeJoy will have prevented it from oh, getting there. that but, son of a bitch. Yeah, but whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. I don't, 
I think that we get too caught up in it has to be a specific thing or it has to be expensive or yeah, the biggest or, or the shiniest or the whatever. Did this start with children? Did this start with everybody had to have the toy? It's the children. No, the chi- I'm not saying the children started it, but they it's manipulated children. They manipulated children into being obsessed with whatever the toy was. Like Tickle Me Elmo was the last one I remember. You had, every kid had to have a Tickle Me Elmo. And then there were shortages. and there were, Or were they shortages? Were they not making enough on purpose? I think that's, purpose? once again, I think this takes us to my favorite topic, media narrative. <laughs> that's a great story for the evening news right? about Tickle Me Elmo being out of stock and all the kids wanted and everybody's desperate but just don't, you know, like, so, okay, get him something else. Like, yeah. uh, okay, what are you going to do? Stop being my kid? Fine. <laughs> See ya. Hit you the know, road. Maybe right? the family down the street's got a Tickle Me Elmo you right. can play with. Going on strike, you're going to stop. Like, I just, like, I, you know, I, I yeah. think that those things are things that we get told. Yeah. First, the kids get told you have to have this toy by the insidious bastards placing those commercials on the Saturday morning cartoons or wherever they go now. Because mm-hmm. I don't think there are any Saturday morning cartoons anymore, which is tragic. I love Saturday tragic, morning isn't car- it? cartoons. Yeah. Such fun. Anyway. What are kids doing on Saturday morning? I have no idea. That could be our next Wednesday question. What are your kids doing on no, Saturday morning? No, we are not asking anybody <laughs> like, that question. Questions. I'm not trying to be creepy with kids. I'm well, just like, how do kids spend their Saturday mornings anymore? Okay, well, all right. But yeah, do they wake up and just go on their devices? And it's like, I think that's the thing. Saturday morning cartoons, do you don't have Netflix to get out of bed. And stream the cartoons? Yeah. Like, I have no idea what, I don't know. But it was, I loved the ritual of it. But I also was aware of the marketing potential. And mm-hmm. I think kids got told that they needed something. And so that became, you know, the one thing, and then parents got told that they, you know, to be a good parent, you have to achieve the thing. And well, that's the thing. No therapy happened, right? And every parent suddenly knew that someday their kid would be in therapy, saying horrible shit about them. So why why wait? Let's so, give them something. <laughs> Let's start this Christmas. Here's what you can start your therapy sessions with. You're not getting tickle me elbow. Tickle me elbow. Now fuck off. Here's a parcheesi board. <laughs> when I was your age, we played pig Yahtzee. In the snow. In the snow while working. Right. On breaks from the factory. And making straight A's at school besides you little, yeah, yeah. Yeah. layabouts. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. So I think that, um, but that's, you know, so that's always my philosophy. So supply chain doesn't really impact me because eh, I'm always buying stuff for Christmas and people get what I have at that point and I've, Often, I have bought Christmas gifts on Christmas Day for the following year. I have to say, you're crazy, first of all, which is great, but we love you. We love that you're crazy. in my own inimitable way. Uh, But this is going to impact me significantly unless I bring about a serious change in behavior because I'm last-minute Amazon Christmas gift guy, and I usually go for bang over buck to hide that I didn't do enough planning. Um, I buck over bang, I should say, or whatever. I don't fucking know. They're the same thing. Buck and bang, I go for buck and bang at the last. Whatever. Stop yelling at me. Ah. Um. <laughs> anyway, so this is. I'm gonna have to get out some like you know cardboard and yarn and make some picture macaroni picture frames. You don't want a macaroni picture frame this you year. You don't have to do that if you don't want to. Yeah. Like I think that's fine, and I think you could learn to make white chocolate macadamia cookies if you wanted to, and eat half of them and mail the other half. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> I don't know that you'd be. It's not that hard, and yeah. I think you'd be really pleased to know how to do it, because um, you know it's like teach a man to fish. Yeah, 
Um, Wait, how, how does the rest of it go? Teach a man to no, fish? and give a man a fish and he eats for one night. Teach a man to fish and he eats for the rest of his life. Oh, okay. So um, that's, like Reaganism. I think that's Confucius, <laughs> but <laughs> sure. Kidding. I was teasing you, Eric. Yeah, Reaganism is, why do I have to give a man a fish? <laughs> Get your own fish. I have mine. <laughs> Uh, yes, I've cornered the market in fish, and you should have to pay. It's free market. You have to pay what I say you have to pay for fish. That's Reaganism. Yeah, okay, absolutely. Fuck poor people. Kill them. Kill them all. Eat the poor. Squid game. Yes. Um, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's Reaganism. Okay, well, that's good. We should do every uh, political philosophy should be Ericized like that, <laughs> just reduced to its bare essentials, its bare using and angriest the, essentials. Use the teach a man to fish metaphor. Yeah, teach a man to fish. We will then characterize all political philosophies. That's kind of, you know, most yeah. of them. Now do liberalism. What's the fish for liberalism? <laughs> it's like, get in line. Your fish, we will have your fish for you eventually. <laughs> No, it's not that fish. It's not the nice fish you want. Oh, no. It's no, this minnow. It's going to be the fish that you have to get. <laughs> this is your this assigned is the fish. fish. That's available. Yeah. There was a fish shortage, and so we're out of fish, but you come back tomorrow and there'll be more fish. And don't call it small. You'll hurt its feelings. Okay. See, oh, we, give it, we give equal time here on, on the TVPS oh, yeah. I'm network. no more impressed with that side of the crowd than yeah. I am with the... In fact, I'm less impressed with that side. Everybody's of the wrong except for us. Right? Um, okay, so... What you're basically saying is you're not going to be impacted by this at all. Well, I'm not offering that as a possibility. Like I'm, I'm sorry, not. What does that mean? I mean, I, that's not how I do it. You know, mm-hmm. like I'm not giving. I'm not. You're not putting your dependence on the supply like, chain. If I, if I have no expectations, I can't be disappointed. Yeah. You know, like if I'm going to give the stuff that I have for Christmas, mm-hmm. and it's going to get to people the way that it gets to them, and that's how it's going to be. And yeah. So there isn't so the fact that it might not be the first thing that I think of may not work out. It also I think I think the spiritual giantism that you're describing also is helped by the fact that you've been hoarding Christmas presents for about five that years. Is, I am actually the reason for the truck. <laughs> you're the reason for, for the, the supply, supply chain, chain crashing. I have all of the Christmas gifts are I in have my house already. Six million plastic Christmas trees are in my closet currently. That's, that's and correct. Packaged up. I'm wondering if I'm gonna have a Christmas tree this year. I got those the the ones last year, the fairy trees that I did because I didn't want to go out mm-hmm. to a tree lot, but tree lots were big last year, so they had Christmas trees, so maybe there'll be, uh, I don't know if there'll be a supply chain issue with Christmas trees or not, because that's all about trucking, mm. I think. Yeah, the trucking thing I didn't know about. You educated me about the trucking well, thing. Well, I didn't know about it until last night. I just happened to have seen that report with um, Lester, why don't you want to talk about what I want to talk about, Holt. Yeah, totally. And no... What do you mean, reading the teleprompter? <laughs> I don't read the teleprompter. <laughs> he read. Yeah, totally. Let's talk, wait, let's side note. Yes. Let's talk about your new imaginary media boyfriend. I'm going to get his name wrong, but in the t- short time we have left, he's now gotten his own Tom show. Tom Yamas. Tom Yamas now has his own show, I think, on Peacock, a oh new show. Oh, my God. You love him, and you fall in love with people for the right reasons. You actually fall in love with their competence and abilities and their talents, not just their <laughs> butts and their chests and their eyes, like I do. Well, I'm glad that I'm right and everyone else is wrong. That yes. really pleases me in this scenario. It always pleases me. But I, you. I don't think that there is a right way. You get attracted to what you get attracted to. That just happens to be the stuff I'm attracted to. Right. Um, brilliance and intelligence. Yeah, he was incredible. I, he filled in for Lester during the Hurricane Ida coverage, and 
I've never seen anything like it. It was the most brilliant, competent. He was standing in like hip deep water, pitching to five different people, mm-hmm. holding the thread of the story in a way that Lester has never been able to do. Mm-hmm. Um, not apparently reading anything off of a card, though he probably was. Mm-hmm. Um, and really telling a very cogent, well put together story. Mm-hmm. Um, in the midst of really challenging circumstances, I was blown out of the water. I could not believe. I was like, where has this guy been? ABC, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, NBC poached him and brought him over. He filled in, and now that he's got his own show. But, like, wow, I hope he's next in line when they mm. when it's time to bring in somebody new on the And I should news. add, just as the representative of all things superficial here at the Dinner Party Show presents Christopher and Eric, uh, he's a babe. Oh, my God. Yes. yes. Not hard to look at at all. Like, he's fine-looking man, so, mm-hmm. I don't, so don't give me too much credit. He was great to look at. Lester's where Lester is because Lester's a fine looking man. Yeah. Um, like he was like Tom Yamas is, uh, yes, is not yeah. only competent, but also looks he like that. He could yam your us. Yes. He, he could come and yam us. He looks like that. That's disgusting. I'm sorry. I said I that. Really Let's not too. cut it. Let's, I don't know. We'll yeah. We'll it just in. leave it. People will deal with it. It's not the most disgusting thing we said probably today. Um, <laughs> um but yeah, he, he definitely should be next in line for that particular job. He knows how to do it. He's very competent, and he looks great while he's doing it. So I don't know if you could do better than that. Okay. So next week, we're doing something that we <laughs> so haven't So that's done. enough out of you. Yeah, no, we covered the Tom Yamas. I didn't want to say anything else inappropriate. on the. You know, I just wanted to keep things appropriate and very measured, like oh, the podcast God, that, always is. That's not, our, that's not our brand at all. But I do think next week requires some sort of introduction, because it's something we haven't done in a while. Um, we are doing a true crime special edition again. Do you remember what a special edition even is, Eric Shaw Quinn? It's where we watch more than one episode. We do a whole series in one episode. God, I was stumped for a minute. I yeah, almost you didn't were, get your it. Your eyes got real I was big. Like, uh-oh. And like, I, I don't think it. I think I even came up with this is term. Your idea. The right. whole thing is your idea. But I'm just pitching it like it came to us from our producer. I who was doesn't like, exist. Who was? What are we even doing next yeah, week? No, I we're wasn't doing, even sure. I remember now. Doing an entire series as a it's, it's like True Crime TV Club, but with a whole series. And this is we saw this on Discovery Plus that it was available, and we Our knew favorite. we were going to have to yeah, do this. This was definitely this we had us written all over it. Curse of the Chippendales. Thun, thun, thun. As in the Chippendale dancers. Right, Not the, the Chippendale strippers. dining room chairs. No. The Chippendale dancers. Curse of the Chippendales. Now, I'm going to uh, tease some of this, like hand gesture, doing a useless hand gesture. I don't know right. why, what that this means. That means time. This, okay, time. Well, it's almost the end of the episode. Um, I listened to a Wondery podcast about the life and murder of Dorothy Stratton, who was a poised for stardom. Uh-huh. And her, her her murderer, who was her husband, had something to do with this story. He had something to do with the founding of the Chippendales, and I'm excited to find out what, because uh, he was just trash and horror everywhere he went. He was they a are monster. Part, they are part of the curse. They are part of the curse. Okay. Okay. I will find out more about the curse. Yeah. It's uh, it's quite a... It's quite a, a, a a, a series, a, a, it's quite a chain of events, and it stretches out over decades. Decades. You know, I went and saw the Chippendales. 
Really? Yeah, in Las Vegas. You went after 10 o'clock? I went, I, 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 is that a thing you're supposed to do? Is that I, it wasn't that used to be. Like, men couldn't go until after 10 o'clock? No. So here's the deal. It was all women. We were doing a, a big romance uh, conference in Vegas a few years back. Huh. And the women were like, do you want to go to the Chippendales? And I was like, I don't really know if, like, I'm welcome. I don't want to be somewhere I'm not. Yeah. Whatever. Um. So I went on their website and I researched it, and they were very clear. We are open to all. We welcome all men, gay, straight, whatever, are welcome to be in our audience and all that sort of stuff. Because a lot of straight guys want to go see men strippers. Right. So when I got there, right, uh-huh. there it, it's two men, right? <laughs> it's me and, like, another gay and a guy. Huge queen. With, with And we are both horrified horrified to <laughs> we be are there. both like our arms are crossed all i'm thinking is i don't want anything please don't try to welcome me like please don't no try to lap make dances. me feel welcome. go away go away go and away i have to say what and i'm gonna i will talk about all of this again next week because it's just too good to pass up a second time it's it's chip my chip and dale experience right. everybody drink um it was so there is such a difference between male sexual performance for a female audience and a gay audience that I found myself remarkably unturned on by anything. None of the guys could dance. There were no, I was used to like go-go boys in gay bars who can spin around poles and do backflips and all this sort of stuff and have a completely different, more sinuous way of moving. These were just guys who rocked back and forth and pointed a lot. And it was just, everything was, they were so rigid and whatever. And there were too, anyway, whatever. I get more turned on during the Olympics. <laughs> Well, those boys can really dance. <laughs> can really rhythm gymnastics, babe. So anyway, we'll talk about that more next week. But actually, that has nothing to do with uh, the curse of the Chippendales. But you can bring it up again next week. But, <laughs> but yeah, that's really that's not involved in this. That's completely separate. That I think Las Vegas is the only still existing part of the Chippendale, it, the, the worldwide franchise no, that used to be Chippendales. I'm 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 half. I'm suspicious that I'm going to go online and find out that these were not the Chippendales, but I think that they were the Chippendales. Oh, no. Las Vegas is it. That's the, the only place that they can We were at the Rio. exist anymore. I don't know the answer to that. That's where the conference was horrible. That's the only, I just know that. The hotel, the Rio, but they had the Chippendales, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> Every little rat trap in the <laughs> world. Hole. I just said, I did the Stratus and the Rio in Vegas, and I said, I don't care what I'm going to Vegas for next time. I'm staying at the fucking Venetian or the Wind. I'm at the Four Seasons. I'm not doing I, this. Talk, yeah, the, yeah, the Stratus is, nice. is yeah. like, am I going to be murdered here? I just don't know about that okay. place. I'm not even sure if it's going to still be standing. Oh, much God. Longer. It's just awful. It seems really unlikely. Anyway, we don't know what we're talking It's like Brandon said. He doesn't know what this shit is Las Vegas about. is coming for us, La- <laughs> The Las Vegas Chamber of Commerce. Sorry, Las Vegas. Uh, free speech. Okay. Until next time and forever after, I'm Christopher Chippendale Rice. And I'm... Eric, Eric Thunder Adon- from Down Under Eric Quinn. Thunder from Down Under Shaw Quinn. <laughs> and uh, you've been listening to TDBS Presents Christopher and Eric. <laughs> <laughs>